Hi, I'm Dan Primack, and welcome to Axios Recap, sponsored by What It Takes. Today is Wednesday, July 29th. Stocks are up, the odds of getting another federal stimulus are down, and we're focused on today's big tech hearing on Capitol Hill. Earlier today, the CEOs of Apple, Amazon, Facebook, and Google testified remotely in front of a House Judiciary Subcommittee, ostensibly about antitrust issues. It was the highest profile showdown to date in the increasingly fraught relationship between Washington, D.C. and Silicon Valley, which at some point could culminate in efforts to break up one or more of these companies. Three things to know. First, Democrats mostly asked questions about alleged anti-competitive behavior. Republicans mostly asked questions about alleged anti-conservative bias. Both could play into antitrust complaints. Two, most of the questions were for Amazon, Facebook, and Google. Jeff Bezos got hammered on Amazon's marketplace dominance. Mark Zuckerberg was questioned on his company's purchase of Instagram and content moderation. Google was asked repeatedly about search prioritization. Apple's Tim Cook, who was there for the whole hearing, he was questioned a bit on the App Store, but otherwise largely ignored. Three, this House committee alone can't sue a big tech company for antitrust violations or change century-old antitrust laws. A lawsuit would have to be done by something like the Department of Justice, while the latter has to be done by the entire Congress and signed by the president. The big question now is if this hearing uncovered anything that moves the ball on changing antitrust law as it pertains to big tech, or if, in the end, it just made for a few good viral video clips. We'll try to answer that in 15 seconds with Congressman David Cicilline of Rhode Island, who ran today's hearing. But first, this. We're joined now by Congressman David Cicilline, Democrat of Rhode Island, who just finished chairing this hearing. So, Congressman, at the end, you closed by saying that these companies, as they exist today, in your opinion, have monopoly power and that some need to be broken up. Which ones need to be broken up? Well, I think the hearing today confirmed what we learned during the course of this investigation, that all four of these platforms have tremendous market dominance uh, and have monopoly power. And I think in particular, when you think about Facebook, who uh, Mr. Zuckerberg acknowledged in this hearing that his acquisition of WhatsApp and Instagram were part of a plan to both buy a competitor and also maintain his monopoly power or his dominance. That's classic monopoly behavior. They really don't have a competitor. And so I think, you know, that was a transaction which should not have occurred. His answer was the FTC approved it. They should not have. Uh, So I think that's an easy one. But I think, you know, you look at the behavior of Google and you look at the behavior of Amazon. um, I think those companies are too big. I think there are real issues about Amazon, which is both obviously a marketplace and also a producer of goods and services. Uh, You look at Google that occupies so much of the search uh, in, this, in the country and the world. And so I think, you know, we're going to finish this investigation with the development of a set of recommendations and a report. But I think what we saw today was confirmation that these large technology platforms have enduring monopoly power. They're working hard to maintain that. They are engaging behavior which favors their own products and services, which harms consumers, harms innovation. Can I ask on the consumer thing? Because when you talk, say, about Facebook, for example, traditional antitrust law, or at least the way it's often interpreted by the courts, is 
kind of that two-pronged test, right? Did it raise prices? Did it harm consumers? Do you believe that the current antitrust laws, which were kind of written back in railroad days, are those able to be applied, say, to Facebook today, or do you need new laws? Well, you know, that's one of the things that we will determine in the final recommendations we make. But I think in general, you're right. The antitrust laws were written more than 100 years ago in response to the railroad and oil monopolies. We're dealing with a very different economy. But one could certainly use consumer welfare and look broadly at the well-being of consumers. And when you think about the collection of data, these are data firms that are collecting data, valuable data, to predict the behavior of consumers and to sell uh, advertising that will maximize the value of that data. So, um, you know, I think you could use the interpretation of consumer welfare beyond price, just the well-being of the economy, the well-being of consumers, the well-being of workers, um, and the, the collection of data from individuals and the use of that data, really the weaponizing of it, I think is a real harm to consumers. We know that this market dominance also reduces innovation. It's very hard for people to enter the marketplace. Although people do though, right? Because it came up in the hearings, TikTok, Snapchat, they've survived, right? They don't, but they either get acquired or they can be excluded so they don't survive. What we want to do is make sure this digital marketplace is working and it's competitive to make space for the next Amazon or the next Google or the next Facebook. And when you have the kind of market dominance that these companies have and some of the exclusionary behavior they engage in and anti-competitive behavior, it makes it difficult for new entrants, new entrepreneurs, new innovators to enter the market and compete fairly and survive. And the reason we have antitrust policies is because we know over a long history the competition is good. It promotes innovation. It helps consumers. It creates more choices. It improves quality. It drives down prices. So, it, you know, competition produces things that are of great value. When there's no competition in the marketplace, all of those values are at risk. Since you were the one who chaired the hearing today, the format, the decision to have all four CEOs testify concurrently rather say than have Zuckerberg come for a day and then have Pachai come for a day, et cetera. Why the decision to have all four of them, which led in part to the fact that they all got questions, obviously, but you weren't able to say spend two hours drilling down on Amazon because you had all four. So why that decision? We were able to drill down very significantly on all four of the witnesses. This is an antitrust investigation of the digital market taste broadly. There's a lot of common behaviors that I spoke about in my opening statement, and I think you saw during the questioning. So, uh, you know, we also are trying to get this investigation concluded so we can write a report and develop some recommendations to introduce before Congress adjourns. And so, you know, COVID put us at a little disadvantage in terms of timing. So we've got to kind of move this process down. But I was very satisfied that we had a real opportunity to question these witnesses, you know, deeply and really drill down. And I think uh, the members uh, of the subcommittee on both sides really did that work today. It felt at times like there was two different hearings going on today, depending on if there was an R or a D next to the questioner's name. Is that how you felt too? It really felt that Democrats were focused much more on competition issues. Republicans were focused much more on allegations of bias. Is that how you felt it was playing out as well? No, actually, you know, the members of the subcommittee have been very focused on the competition issues in the digital marketplace. Uh, uh, Mr. Buck, you know, was uh, at the field here in, in Colorado. Mr. Gates raised a number of issues. Mr. Armstrong, I think obviously Mr. Jordan was there, uh, you know, in many ways, as he always does, doing the president's bidding to talk about bias. There's no evidence to 
uh, suggest that the platforms are biased one way or another between, a you know, in favor or against a political ideology. But, you know, members are allowed to ask what they ask. But I think the vast majority of the members focused on these serious competition issues in the digital marketplace. I do need to ask, because you brought up Jordan, you know, Congress people always use the phrase, my friend on the other side of the aisle. That's the colloquial way. Are you, are you and Jordan friends? Or colleagues. All the members of the subcommittee have taken this investigation really seriously. Uh, Doug Collins, who was formerly the ranking member, also took it very seriously and was really deeply engaged in it. Mr. Jordan is sort of new to this investigation, so I don't know that he's focused on it in the same way. Uh, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very pleased that the investigation has remained very bipartisan. And as we prepare the report and recommendations, I hope that it will remain that way. What was the most salient new thing or new fact you learned today from any of the testimony? Well, I think the two things that I think were significant and new was Mark Zuckerberg acknowledging that his acquisition of WhatsApp and Instagram were um, acquisitions of competitors, which, uh, and, 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 and as a result, he maintained and enlarged his market dominance. That's a classic uh, action of a monopolist. Uh, the fact that the FTC approved it is inadequate. I mean, they should not have. And so that's, I think, a really important admission. I think also uh, Mr. Bezos acknowledging that he couldn't uh, confirm that Amazon does not use third-party uh, seller data to inform the decisions about their developing their own products and services that compete directly with those third-party sales. That's a pretty significant admission that uh, he, he couldn't acknowledge that that didn't happen because it's hard to imagine people um, are expected to, or really forced to accept the condition that I can, they can sell on Amazon, but then Amazon's going to take the data related to their sale in order to develop a, compet a competing product to then put them out of business. So I thought those were two really important things to develop during the hearing. You've mentioned this report. That's the next thing you guys have to get. Do you expect that report will come out prior to the November elections? Oh, absolutely. That report's going to come out hopefully end of August, early September, because we want to have an opportunity to introduce some legislation in this Congress in the fall to begin to actually address the issues that we've discovered in the course of the investigation. Congressman David Cicilline, uh, former mayor of the great city of Providence, thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Welcome back. What we're watching today is Eastman Kodak, the legendary film and camera company that has fallen on hard times. The latest out of Rochester is that it has secured a $765 million loan from the federal government under the Defense Production Act that the White House previously used to ramp up ventilator manufacturing. In this case, the plan is to have Kodak begin making ingredients for use in key generic drugs, including those that could be used to fight COVID-19. Why it matters is that the U.S. is reliant on foreign manufacturers, particularly in China and India, for drugs that are critical to national security. Today, we're also watching the stimulus negotiations. This morning, Treasury Secretary Mnuchin said that Democrats and Republicans are, quote, very far apart, end quote. And he didn't have to say it, but that's also very bad news. Remember, expanded unemployment benefits expire in just 48 hours, and the entire Senate is scheduled to go on recess after next Friday. Oh, and speaking of Mnuchin and stimulus, a federal watchdog has identified $250 million in small business loans that came via the original stimulus's Paycheck Protection Program, which the watchdog believes were given to potentially ineligible recipients. Finally, we are watching the NFL, the one pro sports league in America that hasn't yet had to cancel games because of the pandemic. But the NFL is beginning to lose players who are opting out over health fears. 
The team I root for, for example, the New England Patriots, they've already lost six players, including their defensive captain. And remember, the NFL isn't planning as of now to use a bubble. So the season is still on, but it feels like the pressure is only going to grow as kickoff gets closer. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, have a great national chicken wing day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.